in Romans 1 and 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. The apostle tells us that God is love, and this may be a difficult truth for our human minds, especially prior to being saved. It's hard to understand God's love when you're not saved. But the, Lord is the, but the love is the Lord's very essence, and he is the source from which all true love flows. There are no restrictions, no limitation, and no expectations. God's love for us is absolute and genuine, and through creation, he has unmistakably declared that love. You can't go anywhere without seeing God's love. Because even if you're grumpy, because I know grumpy people, if, even if you're grumpy, you can't tell me when you go outside on a morning and the sunrise is coming up that that doesn't take your breath away. You can't tell me when you're looking up in the night sky and you see 100 billion stars that that doesn't blow your mind. And God created it because out of love. It was out of love. Most of all, he died for us. In his most powerful and selfless act, he sent his son to die for us so that we could enjoy his loving presence for all eternity. My second point is God's love is relentless. Remember I told you in the beginning, relentless was what? <clears throat> it's oppressively constant, persistent, never-ending, endless, and unrelenting. God's love is relentless. In this point, I want to share three people in the Bible where God showed his relentless love. The prophet Hosea. See, in the Old Testament, a prophet named Hosea played a significant role in showing how much God loved his people, even when they were unfaithful to him. He was tasked by the Lord to show his love for unfaithful Israel by marrying a prostitute named Gomer. Gomer didn't stop her adulterous ways. Despite this, God told Hosea to take her back and love her again. This is just how much God's love, this is how much God loves us, that while we are still sinners, he pursued us. Can you imagine being married to a, a woman who is unfaithful or a man who's unfaithful and you, and, and really it was an unequally yoked situation, but, you know, here's this prostitute and she's being un, adulterous and God tells him, hey, you know, go back to her. Don't give her a divorce, go back to her. Love her care for her, be there for her, nurture her, right? And, and here this man is like, uh, okay, and he takes her back. Does she the Bible says she didn't stop prostituting, but God, this is what God does for you and I. Even though we're saved, some of, we're saved, right? Most of us are saved. Even in your sin, God still relentlessly chases you. God still goes back to you. And God keeps choosing you over everything else in creation, so even when we're making mistakes and we're not doing the right things, you have to remember that God is chasing after you. He wants your attention. He wants you to turn back to him. He wants you badly. The next example is the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2, 16 and 17. <coughs> Philippians 2, 16 and 17. 
Okay. We'll read the scripture after. This man may be famous for being a Christian. Okay, we're talking about Paul. And, and Paul, before he was Paul, he was who? He was Saul. And Saul was a killer. He was killing Christians. And he was, he was taking out these people of God. And it says, this man may be famous for being a Christian killer before meeting Christ, but I would like to emphasize that after he met the Lord, he became a great example of God's great love to every person. Sure, his heart is full of love for God's people. Paul's delight was seeing his fellow believers grow in their faith in Christ. His desire was to present people to him on the day he comes. He was a man in faith who effectively showed us that God desires his people to love one another and work for each other, other's growth in Christ. And my last example in the three uh, prophets, uh, we have Christ. Christ came in John three sixteen through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. No one can ever top Jesus in showing us the love of God. There are so many verses talking about God's love is shown through him, but this scripture is enough, simply enough, to describe God's relentless love for us. If I had to ask you to put your child on a cross, would you do it? Would you sacrifice the very thing that you love the most? For a people who may or may not choose you? My third point is God's love is never failing. See, God will never let you go. The biggest news of the Bible is not that you love God, but that God loves you. He tattooed your name on the palm of his hands. His thoughts of you outnumber the sand on the seashore. And you never, ever leave his mind, escape his sight, or flee his thoughts. <clears throat> you need not win his love because you already have it. He sees the worst of you and loves you still. Your sins of tomorrow and failings of the future will not surprise him. He sees them now. Every day and deed of your life has passed before his eyes, and it has been calculated in every one of his decisions. He knows you better than you know you and has reached his verdict. He still loves you. No discovery will disillusion him. No rebellion will dissuade him. He loves you with an everlasting love. God's love, it is never failing, and it is never ending. Uh, see, God's love, and God is love, and he created love. And his first action of love was when he created mankind into his image, where he left a hole in your heart that no matter what we did, it would never be filled until we came into a crashing encounter with him. the creator who loved us from the beginning of time. See, until I had an encounter with God, I was always going to be let down. And no one would ever meet my standards. I would put expectations on people that they would never meet. 
and I would never be satisfied with myself, which in turn towards which in turn towards those in my life. Meaning, if I'm not if I'm not happy with who I am, if I'm not satisfied with myself, I will never be satisfied with anything else. I will always be miserable. You can't expect someone to love you if you don't even love you. You're, they're beating a dead horse. See, if we really exemplify the love of Christ, then we love ourselves because we love him. We're not going to walk around miserable and always finding an argument to pick. And we're not going to judge other people. And we're not going to cast stones where we have no business casting a stone ourselves. We're not going to do it. Why? Because Christ's love lives in us. Even when we're gossiping about other people. Even when we're, you know, we refuse, you know, people turn around and all of a sudden they're smiling in your face and they're talking about you behind you. If you're talking about people, you don't love no one. Church is messy. Church is real messy. I've learned a lot in 16 years. Church is messy. Messy, 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 messy. Messy. Church is messy. You know what I mean? Church is so messy. But you know what I love about church? Is that, like, you know, I get to, like, here's what happens. The enemy knows when you're going to do something powerful for the kingdom of God. And so he comes in with explosives. And we're unaware of them. And then all of a sudden, there's conflict everywhere. Do you ever, you ever notice that in a church setting? There's conflict. And you're like, what happened? What was said that went so wrong? And, 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 and then we start fighting amongst ourselves. And the division starts tearing people apart. And this is where, you know, God really kind of dealt with me. He said, you know, he said, what happens is, is you have to let the love of God flow back in. You have to let Christ come back into the situation. You have to let go of yourself in order to let the love come crashing in. God wants to come back in the situation, but he's not going to come back in in a mess. You know, just recently, and I, and I am, I'm the kind of a person, I am who I am, and so I'm just an honest person, really. And I don't try to sugarcoat anything, if some of you know me. And I just kind of I'm bluntly tell you how it is. And then I kind of patch it up later. But, <coughs> you know, and so um, here's, and this is really, this is me being genuine with you and just opening up myself. Do you know that um, we can fall out of love with God? We can fall out of love. When we try to find every other situation to go be doing other than falling in love with God, instead of going to the prayer time, instead of going to our Bible, instead of fellowshipping, we can find excuses to why we don't have to do anything. And before you know it, you start right here, and then you're drifting further and further and further away. And you're like, why, why doesn't anybody want to, why, why am I miserable? Why don't I feel loved? Why don't I feel cared about? How come everybody's always talking about me? Blah, 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 right? And so, and, I, and as a pastor's wife, I'm not even going to lie, I felt that way at times. I'm like, man, this church is messy. You know, and, and, and then I get angry and I get bitter and my heart becomes hard. And I'm like, I don't know how you want me to love these people. I don't even like them. 
I don't even like myself at this moment. So how the heck am I going to like you if I don't even like myself? And then you add messy on top of it. Huh? You just start building your wall. Somebody comes to say something to you. Good morning. What do you want? You need to get in prayer. I'm praying. I'm praying. I pray all the time. My husband used to say that all the time. He'd say, Heather, he'd say, now, you just need to pray. I pray. I pray all the time. I walk around and pray. I pray. Don't judge me. Don't look at me that way, judging me. But you want to know what happened? Before I knew it, I became doing a work, and I completely fell out of love with God. Completely fell out of love with God. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm preaching to myself. I fell out of love with God. And do you know how lonely that is? Huh? I could lose all of you, and I probably would be okay. I lost Jesus, and I didn't even want to live anymore. I lost Jesus, and darkness began to creep in. Hope began to disappear, and I looked for fights and arguments and misery. Love's company. And I'm telling you because, you know, and, and my husband, you know, he's real patient with me. And, and he just, you know, sometimes he runs the other way and he's like, oh, my God, I'm a rooftop, Heather. Right? And I don't know what occurred. Something, it must be his prayers for me. Because a real person who loves you is going to pray for you. And they're going to pray for you for God to show you the correct answer. Because we won't receive anything man tells us. So I believe by faith that my husband prays for me, and he does. But I really believe he was praying for me in this situation. Because I was so distant from God. And I was coming to church, and I was smiling in y'all faces. And really inside, I was mad. Mad. And I'm just going to be honest. Because if I'm honest, then maybe you'll be honest. With yourselves. See, and what happened was I wouldn't want to do the things I used to like doing. I would try to avoid every church event. I was, we would say church event, and I'd roll my eyes and be, find some reason to get mad. But you want to know what happened? It's all of a sudden God revealed himself to me, and he said, you just don't love me. You don't love me, Heather. See, because what happened was my heart began to grow bitter my heart began to get hurt and I wanted the easiest way out I didn't want to run to the one who had the answer I wanted to run to the world who I thought had the answers see it's easy to get a flesh response right and if you're in the homes like the homes the church and it's the same way in the church but in the homes you can always tell when somebody doesn't want to really get what God has to say because they know they're about to get rebuked by God and so They'll, they'll come and then all of a sudden they'll be like, they'll run to their favorite person in the home and they'll be like, I just need you to tell me what I need to hear. Well, if they really love you, they're going to tell you to hit your knees. But if they don't love you, 
then they're going to give you a response of the flesh. Oh, sister, it's okay, baby. It's okay. Oh, well, I just think maybe if, um, well, yeah, and then they start pulling scripture out their heads, but really a person that loves you is going to point you to the creator, the one with every single solution. And you know what I've learned? That love hurts. Truth hurts. The truth hurts. Meaning, I love you so much, I'm going to tell you the truth. But if I love you that much, then guess how much God loves you. And when you feel conviction and you feel that Holy Spirit coming over you and you know what you're doing is not right and you're still willing to follow through with it, then you're wrong. And you don't love God. You don't love God. And this isn't to beat anybody down. And the reason that I'm sharing this is because the other, last night we went to that thing and, and this girl, she came and she said, Heather, come sit by me. I said, okay, girl. And I came and I plopped down. And she just kept looking at me and she said, there's something so different about you. And I said, oh, yeah? I got a new outfit. No, no. She said, you're glowing. You're glowing. And, you know, I didn't even try to hide my response for her. You know what I said? I found Jesus again. I found Jesus again. You know, when I found Jesus, right, because love is relentless. That's what I'm trying to preach to you. His love is relentless. His love is selfless. And his love is unfailing. And he's going to chase me until I'm tired of running. And he's going to seek after me until I hit my knees. And he's not going to stop. You want to know how I knew that I started falling in love and back with Jesus? I found myself up here at the altar, raising my hands. Get rid of me. I don't look, and I'm, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, right? But we as humans, we get caught up in, like, conversational talk. Right? And it's good to socialize. Don't get me wrong. It's good. But I realized that the further I was from God, the more I wanted to socialize. The further I was from God, the more I wanted to socialize. This morning I came in and I talked to a few people and I came to the altar. I came to the altar. And then I realized, you know what I realized? That this thing plays really loud. So when you get lost in that moment, I was like, yeah! And then I was like, oh my God, there's people behind me. But do you want to know what occurred? My heart, I was overjoyed. I couldn't express my love in any. Man, I look at my husband now and I'm like, I just love you. Even when he like gets grumpy and I'm like, I just smile. I'm like, man, you're so beautiful. You know? He comes to stand up here and preach. Man, you're beautiful. You want to know why everything's beautiful again? Because I went to the creator who formed me from the beginning of time, who loves me unconditionally, loves me relentlessly, and he sought after me. You got to go back. You got to go back to your first love, and it ain't your wife, it ain't your husband, it ain't your dogs, it's not the world, it's not Xbox, it's not any of that. Your first love is the one who took dirt and formed you. 
He's the one that said, man, I love you so much. And through all of your life, I'm going to show you how much I love you. Right? And, I don't, and, I, and I'm not trying to, like, make you, I want you guys to understand how much his love is, how real it is, how tangible it is. You know what I mean? What Savannah was talking about, we used to sing songs. My God, there were some songs that were unlearnable. Un, we would sit there and manifest. But really, and when you start singing, like when you first get saved, you, somebody says tangible, and I'm like, what does that mean, tangible? How is somebody that I can't see tangible to me? Right? Because in, in, in being intangible, it means that I can grab a hold of God at any point, in any second. And I know that God is wrapping his arms around me. I know that when I'm crying, he's taking his hands and he's wiping away my tears. When I'm in misery and upset and I don't think I can go another step, God picks me up and he tangibly holds me and walks with me. That's tangible. I don't I look, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm saying all of this because I want you to become a church that just loves him, genuinely loves him. You seek him. You sought after your spouse. You relentlessly chased them. I relentlessly chased my husband, but I couldn't continue to love him because I didn't truly love myself. But when I found God, when I really found him, I learned how to love I loved in the heartache. I loved in the addiction. I could love, genuinely love. And then as time goes on, and this is for all the older Christians, and it's not picking, but we get comfortable. We get real comfortable. We get that chair. We sit down, and we think we have arrived. But do you know what real love is? It's finding something new about that person every single day. It's about that person, me leaving a love note on that pillow. It's me telling somebody how beautiful they looked that day. It's me chasing after that person. And so we get comfortable in the church. We get comfortable. Or we get comfortable and we don't want people to see our brokenness or see our pride or see all these other things that are wrong with us. And so we just cover it up with a, with a fake Christianity look. But you want to know when I know that you really fall back in love with Jesus? Because you're praying. Because you're seeking to put somebody else before yourself. Because we're not on our cell phones. We're not, we're not distracted. Worship team, you can come up. And I, and I want you guys to know, you know, God loves you so much. So much. There's not a hair on your head that he doesn't know about. There's not a heartache he doesn't care about. He loves every single one of your heartaches, and he wants to fix them. See, I would always have expectations and disappointments. My husband couldn't fix me. When I encountered Christ, my life changed. True love looks past everything. It takes work, and it takes your time. It means giving of yourself, and it means knowing that you will be hurt. You're going to get hurt. If you ain't got a breath mint, I'm sorry, but turn to your neighbor and tell him you're going to get hurt. Because I'm going to say something that's going to upset you. 
Your spouse is going to say something or do something. Look, I don't know. If you're not married, just wait because it's coming. Okay? Especially if you ever get pregnant. Pregnant? Who's ever been pregnant? Women, raise your hand. Do you ever have to go to the bathroom when you're eight and a half months pregnant? And men, this is no offense to you, but you forget to put the seat down, and it's pitch black, and you're running to the bathroom, and you got to go, and your belly's out to here, and then all of a sudden you fall in the thing, and then you're mad. Yeah, the people that had babies understand, you know? Or that the toothpaste is like, my husband's really like, he's OCD, so everything has its spot, but... I'm not. And so, or like you, you know, like the laundry basket is right here and everything winds up on the side of it. And at first you think it's cute. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you're taking care of it. Ask him in six months how it looks. I can't stand him. How hard is it to pick that up right there? True love looks past everything. It takes work and time. It means giving of yourself, and it means knowing that you will be hurt, but that forgiveness is divine. I love my husband with true love, and I fall in love with him more and more every day. As time goes by, I understand growing old together. I understand that beauty will fade. We're not going to be beautiful forever. Eventually, someday, old age is going to start kicking in. I understand that we will become wrinkly. And our hair is going to get gray. And we're not going to walk with the same pep that we used to walk. And some of you are going to have teeth, and some of you are going to have fake teeth. And some of you are going to be missing to you. <laughs> and my husband and I, we will probably still argue over silly things. We will hold hands and we will realize that all the things that we thought were important were not. We will look at each other and see... That real love is enduring to the end together. Until the one who created and loved us first calls us home. We will understand sacrifice and we will understand love is not a feeling, but it is who God is and that he wants our whole love and our whole life. He wants you to love him before you ever love someone else. Because we are just humans finishing a race to go home to the one who loves us forever. I want you this morning to ask yourself, what has your heart and your love? Am I loving with earthly love or am I loving with heavenly love? Am I loving the way God loves? And do I really love God? I really want you to take a minute and ask yourself, do I really, truly, in this moment in my life, do I truly love God? Because if I do, then he becomes first. And then it becomes easy for me to love and to forgive others.
And it allows me, I'm sorry. And God wants to love you and hold you to help you to let go and allow his love to fill the hole and the void in your heart. As our opening scripture said, it said anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And I want you, as the worship team is about to start, I really want, you know, this morning, I don't, don't look at your neighbors. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Ask yourself, where am I with God? Do I really love God? Is he really first in my life? Does he bypass all these other things that I put above him? And if not, and, and if you want, you know, maybe you have to come and make amends with him. I don't know. It's your walk. Don't worry about what your neighbor does. God sees your heart. I don't know what your heart is, but I know where my heart is, and I know if I have to come to the altar or not. But the altar is where a man or woman meets God face to face. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing that's going to stop it. And it really, it, it makes God come to you relentlessly, unfailing, and it's selfless. And God wants to comfort you, and he wants to love you, and he wants you to have his joy back and his peace and his understanding.